Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Gospel this morning comes from St. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-25. through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Anybody care to guess how many translations there are of the Bible in English? Just in English, how many translations of the Bible? Do you think there are? At last count. Well, here, we'll do it this way. We'll play, anyone ever watch The Price is Right? <laughs> Remember the game High or Lower? Right? So we'll do High or Lower. Here we go. I heard 50 higher. 30 is lower than 50. You obviously didn't say you've seen Price is Right, Judy. No offense. New, that's the new map. All right, here we go again. Higher than 50. 200 higher. 500 lower. 400 higher. 450. Ding, 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 ding. At last count, 450 English translations of the Bible, according to Google and Wikipedia. Right? They include paraphrases. Might be. I don't, I'm not sure, right? So I want to tell you the story of how the vast majority of those came to be or when it started. Because it has to do with the Isaiah passage that we read this morning. So up until the 40s, what was really the main or the only English translation of the Bible? King James. King James. Is that the easiest version of the Bible to read? No. Right? It's not. So a group of scholars came together in the 40s and they said it's time to have an updated version uh, with better English, and not just better English, but using the new research and scholarship that has been done for meanings of words. Does that make sense? 
So a group gets together, they put together, this was in 1946, the Revised Standard Version comes out. Just the New Testament version of the Revised Standard Version comes out, and it is very well received. Then in 1952, the Old Testament Version comes out. And that is not as very well received, particularly because of this passage that we just read from Isaiah they made a change to the, the, the translation that the King James Version had, and many people were very upset with it. Does anyone want to look at your... Uh, you can look at the Isaiah 7 passage, and if you're at... I'm looking at Dot right now, or the Arrington's, you're at Wednesday morning Bible study, you're not allowed to answer this question. <laughs> and pretend, look how smart I am. Anybody look at that Isaiah passage, and what might have been changed do you think might have been changed that would have caused such an uproar? A young woman. A young woman. The King James translated that as what? Does anyone know? A virgin. So they brought, the, these people brought together this group of scholars, including Jewish and Hebrew scholars, and they made the decision that, you, you know what? A better translation, the way this word is actually used in other contexts in that Old Testament is as a young girl, not as a virgin. Some people weren't too happy about that, right? So now what happens? Another group of scholars gets together and they want to correct the mistakes that were made before and put their theological bent into it. So in, I had to write this down to remember, in 1956 is what another group started. In 1973, does anyone know what translation of the Bible came out then? It was the NIV, the New International Version. That came out in 73 with the Old Testament of it coming out in 1978. Since then, there has just been a proliferation of translations of Bibles that come out because people have different thoughts on what Christianity is, right? right. And so they want a translation that supports their version of Christianity. I'll be honest, that's why I can be very particular when somebody asks me what Bible should I get, right? I don't just say, go to Barnes & Noble or... I don't, it used to be Family Christian Bookstore. I think they went out of business, right? Ah, just pick one. It'll be fine. Because if you open up your Bible, there's all of those notes underneath it, correct? Or there's all of that other, at the beginning of each book, there's a summary, generally, of what it means. Or you go through and there's other information about it, and some make it look very splashy, and some make it look very exciting. And we read all of those other things as if they were the Scripture themselves. Does that make sense? And yet all of those things are written with a theological bent or theological aspect in mind. That as ELCA Lutherans, in our understanding of what Christianity is, we may or may not agree with. So on a side note, I would say this. The version or translation that I trust the most, the one that we use in worship, is the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. <laughs> The reason why there's a new Revised Standard Version, this came out in about 1989, and one of the major updates they did to it is that they, include, they made it 
more inclusive in the language. So you notice, as we do our readings of the NRSV, it might say brothers and sisters, or men and women, when in the original translation it just says brothers or it just says men. But in reality, it's not that women weren't present, it's that women didn't count. And so when they, put, when they would talk about crowds were there, it didn't matter if women were there or not. It only mattered if the men were there. Does that make sense? So to make it more inclusive, to recognize that women would have been there also, one of the major things the NRSV did was to include, when it was appropriate, men and women, brothers and sisters, whatever it might be, to, more, to try to more accurately reflect the situation at the time. Um, my question is this. Why are we so afraid? Why were they so afraid? And I will say we, because I think we act out of fear a lot of times today, right? They made the translation from virgin to young woman or young girl. What are we afraid of that we can't let a, what, what best scholars at the time thought was a better translation? What are we afraid of? What were they afraid of? Why, do you, why are we so consumed with getting it right? Does that make sense? As opposed to doing what's right. There's a difference there, isn't there? Being right or doing what's right. If you are more concerned, if we are more concerned with being right, what is the motivating factor, motivating emotion that lies behind that? I think it's fear. Because what happens if I'm wrong? Does that make sense? What happens if I'm wrong? So I better get it right. Because if I'm wrong, oof. As opposed to doing what's right. That can be really hard and scary, isn't it? But when you do what, what's right, I think what are you more motivated by? What's the emotion that lies behind it? I think it's love, which gives us courage to do what's right and not be concerned with being right, or really, I think it's more concerned about not being wrong. Right? Correct? <laughs> I say right, I should say correct. <laughs> I'm right, aren't I? <laughs> correct? I think that has a lot to do with Mary and Joseph in this gospel story this morning. Joseph was right to get rid of Mary. Cast her out to leave her by to the side of the road. Her life is doomed from this point forward. She very easily could be dead in a short amount of time, and that child also along with it. Joseph would have been right if he had done, chosen to do that. 
but would that have been right? And so it takes courage, because let's be honest, Joseph keeps Mary along with him. How is he most likely going to be portrayed at this point now? How is he going to be received? A fool. <laughs> right? What are you doing? A fool. What are you doing, Joseph? Do not understand your rights in this situation? Do not understand the way this is going to reflect on you? Do you not understand how you will be perceived? Anybody wonder, worry about how they're going to be perceived? <laughs> Anybody ever wonder how they might be affected? Anybody ever think, I really know that's the right thing to do, but man, that means I might have to be associated with. Oh, forget that then. That doesn't happen in our world today, does it? Politics. Personal lives. Our faith is rooted in love. Love with us. God come down, Emmanuel. I don't think God comes to solve our problems, right? I think God, maybe the big problem of setting the world to rights, God is working on that, and God asks us to participate in it. What is the right thing to do? How do we walk with how do we be in the presence of those who are different, who are oppressed, who are we disagree with? How do we be in the presence of the other in non-judgmental, loving, and caring ways? In the way that God came and was in our presence and some mysterious way still is in our presence today. God with us. To me, that's what Advent, that's what Christmas is about. We are not celebrating, well, yes, we celebrate one day, but it's not about a one-day celebration, is it? It's about what happens from here moving forward. Understanding our faith isn't about being right. It's about God being with us to enable us to do what we believe is right. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.